Hello, friends, and welcome to the Coastline Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message will equip, encourage, and edify you in your journey of life. We'd love to connect with you. Please email us at info at coastlinecc.org. And for more information about our church and our services, visit coastlinecc.org. Now let's open our hearts and open God's Word. Now, there's two groups of people. There's people that love eating at home, home-cooked meals. And then there's usually people that love going out to eat. Now, all my home-cooked meal people, could you raise your hand up real quick? Come on, home-cooked meals. Now, you can raise your hand both times, because now that I think about it, I kind of like both, to be honest. How many, how many say, I love going to restaurants? How many hate going to restaurants? Anybody? Right? Okay, so restaurants are great. So there's a big difference between those two things. When you're at a home, you can, when you're at the house, you can do whatever you want. You can go grab a glass, you can grab a drink, you can grab a, do whatever you want. At the restaurant, you are being served, aren't you? You have a waitress, you have a waiter, they bring things to you. And in all my years of restauranting, <laughs> you know, uh, in, in, in the nicest restaurants in the state, 99, Chili's, you know, all those stuff. No, no. When you have waitresses, servers, there's usually a couple different kinds when it comes to your drinks. I, I, ha- I have three groups right here. I, wanna, I, wanna, I, wanna, I hope you understand what I'm saying when I talk about this. I have the first group of servers that you call the magician servers. And these are the servers that come. When you get there, they seat you, and um, they maybe take your drink order. We want Sprites, chocolate milk, whatever, okay. And they bring you your drinks, and then they disappear. <laughs> and you don't see them at all. You're like, where did they, are they off now? Did they get fired? You know what happened? Those are the magician servers that, that bring you your stuff, and then you really don't see them again. And you're like, what is going on here? Like, did they, did they retire? Are they on break? Are they on their third lunch? They're the magician servers. Then you have the second group of servers called the drink police. And these are the people that, like, when you ask for a refill, they almost get annoyed at you. You know, you, anybody ever had a server like that? I mean, maybe you've had great servers all your life. I've had people that are like, can I get a quick refill here? And they're like, like, how dare you ask for a refill, you know? And, they, and maybe they'll, they'll go grab it, they'll bring it back, whatever. And those are people, or maybe on the other side, they're like, you need a refill. And you're like, I just took one sip, I should be, and they're like, no, the drink police. And then the last group, and this is the, the group that I love the best, I call this group God's people, okay? <laughs> these are God's people. These are the ones that come, bring your, bring your drink to you. Mm. Celtic Kitchen, right, on 28, um, is like this. You have a cup of coffee. You know, we, sometimes after service, we'll go get like, brunch real quick at Celtic and, and uh, when it's not crazy in the summer. And they have such good portions. And they'll pour you a cup of coffee, and you could get four, five, six sips down, and this wonderful Irish lady is going to come by with the pot and fill it again and be like, can I give you a hot drip? They call it hot, can I give you a hot drip? I'm like, yes, please. Or, or if you're at like, you know, a restaurant and, and, you, and you see your soda's getting halfway down, they'll bring you like a whole nother cup when, before you're even done with the other ones. That's amazing. And then sometimes you have those incredible servers that don't just bring you the extra cup, but they'll bring the whole pitcher and just put it on your table. And those are the people, they, they, like, they can look at you and be like, I know, I know you, man. You're going to need this. You're going to want this. That server in that last group, they don't want me to even get thirsty. They don't want me to even have to think, like, man, I wish I had a little bit more. They don't want you to hear that slurping sound when it's just the ice and a little bit. They don't want to hear that. They want us to constantly be full. They want to continually keep my thirst quenched. And I can tell you this morning, church, in a spiritual way, in your life, that's what Jesus wants for you. He wants you to be fulfilled. His desire for you is is for you to understand your purpose. 
He doesn't want you to be thirsty in this world, searching for something, always looking for something, never being satisfied. No, Jesus wants you to be satisfied. He wants you to be fulfilled. Now, we talked last week in the beginning of chapter 7. We went through the end of chapter 6 in the beginning of chapter 7, and this is when Jesus, last week, we saw at the beginning of the chapter, chapter 7, he, he's with his brothers and, and his siblings and, and uh, the festival of, the, uh, of tabernacles, the Feast of Tabernacles going on, which is, you could say, the, the, the festival of tents where they, they all gather together in Jerusalem and they set up tents and they look back on how God delivered them through the wilderness and, and when he gave them the manna and they just kind of teach their children about it. It's like a big party, this, this, this festival of tents that they have, this feast of tabernacles. And, and they said, Jesus, you need to go up to this feast. Do your miracles. Come on. And they were kind of mocking him. Kind of, they didn't, they said, the Bible said they didn't believe. His own brothers didn't believe that he was who he said he was. And Jesus said, it's not my time. I'm not going. We talked about time last week. If you haven't listened to that message yet, I encourage you, I implore you, please, Go back on the website and listen to the message. It's a very timely message. I know every one of us are going through things. Last week we talked about the different times, uh, the Greek language, the word time in the Bible. Uh, one of them is, is chronos, which is kind of a schedule, my time, my agenda. And then the other one was kairos, which is the purpose, a season. And we talked about the seasons of life, how God brings you into seasons and how we need to trust him and rely on him and depend upon him and trust him in those times, in those seasons. Listen to that message. But that, Jesus said, it's not my time right now. I'm not going with you to the festival right now. Well, they went by themselves. He went later and began teaching. And, and what he began teaching to them, he used a lot of uh, metaphors and illustrations about Jewish religion and things like that. And, and he talked about a lot of that. And we'll, we'll look at some of it today. And at, think about this. If I talked about this kind of stuff now, we'd be like, it'd be over our heads. But at this time... Jesus talking about Moses and Abraham and, and circumcision and, and on the seventh day and on the eighth day and all this stuff. This was exactly what these people related to, these Jewish people. It meant something. It was important to them. And they said, you know, how can, how can you do miracles on the Sabbath day? And he said, well, listen, you did this religious rite uh, 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 on the Sabbath. If it fell on the Sabbath, you would do it then. So what's the difference? If I'm giving a man his whole life and I'm giving him healing and you have a problem with that. And he was just kind of putting them in their place in love. And they just didn't know what to think of it. And we got to that last verse, verse 24, um, last, last week. And uh, we're starting in verse 25 now as, as Jesus is continuing to teach in the tabernacle here, in the synagogues here. Verse 25, follow along in your John and Romans. If you don't have any of that, you can check your phone uh, uh, for the Bible app there or whatever you have. But let's follow along and focus in this morning as we go through these scriptures. Verse 25, then said some of them in Jeru of Jerusalem... Is not this he whom they seek to kill? We mentioned that last week. They're like, isn't this the guy that they're trying to kill? Isn't this the guy that they're talking about, you know, taking care of? But lo, he, verse 26, lo, he, he speaketh boldly. And they say nothing unto him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is the very Christ? Like maybe they think he's the Messiah. Verse 27, Howbeit, we know this man whence he is. Now, we know where this guy's from, but when Christ cometh, no man knoweth whence he is. Now, this is kind of Jewish folklore that these people are talking about. That It was just kind of this, uh, this myth that, that nobody would know where the Messiah was from. They, no one would know where he came from. Now, all these people, they knew Jesus was from, he grew up in Nazareth. He was Joseph and Mary's son. They knew him. They're like, well, he can't be the Messiah because we know him. We know where he's from. But that was all just a myth. The scriptures talk about the Messiah being born in Bethlehem. So they knew where he was going to be coming from, but this was just kind of Jewish folklore of them thinking, you know, oh, no, one, no one's supposed to know where he's from. Verse 28. Then cried Jesus in the temple as he taught. Now that word cried literally means to shout and to passionately 
you know, he got loud. This wasn't just, he was, there was a lot of emotion in Jesus' voice here. Then cried Jesus in the temple as he taught, saying, Ye both know me, and ye know whence I am. I'm not come of myself, but he that sent me is true, whom ye know not. But I know him, for I am from him, and he hath sent me. Jesus says, you know me, and you know where I'm from, but I'm not coming. All throughout this, the, the Gospel of John already, how many times have we talked about Jesus telling them over and over again the same thing, a lot of repetition, telling them over and over again, I, I, I'm sent from God, I'm sent from God, I'm the Son of God, that's who I am, I'm the Messiah, I'm sent from Him, I'm from Him. Over and over and over again, He's telling these people that. And He even goes as far to say, He that sent me is true. You know, His Father, God, He's true. Whom ye know not, He says, You don't even know Him. You think you know God. You think you know what he's doing, but you don't. But I, and Jesus says, but I know him, because I'm from him, and he hath sent me. He's always talking about him being sent from God, being the son of God, being from him. Verse 30. This obviously bothered the people. Then they sought to take him. But no man laid hands on him, because his hour was not yet come. Many of the people believed on him and said, when Christ cometh, will he do more miracles than these which this man hath done? So, so, these people were just missing it. On and on we see in the Gospels, the people that Jesus is trying to teach, trying to help, trying to save, it's going right over their heads. Now there's a purpose in all this. We know that he's going to go to the cross soon. Verse 32. The Pharisees heard that the people murmured such things concerning him. And the Pharisees and chief priests sent officers to take him. The Pharisees, this religious crowd who thought they were, they were you know, the best and that they were the most righteous and that everybody else was below them. They were getting jealous and upset. Jesus was kind of Turn, uh, uh, turn over their fruit basket, whatever you want to say. He was messing things up for them. Verse 33. Then said Jesus unto them, these people that came to get him, yet a little while am I with you, and then I go unto him that sent me. Ye shall seek me, shall not find me, and where I am thither he cannot come. Then said the Jews among themselves, whither he, will he go, that we shall not find him? Verse 35. Will he go unto the dispersed among the Gentiles and teach the Gentiles? What manner of saying is this that he said? Ye shall seek me, shall not find me. And where, am, where I am, that you cannot come. So again, they're, they're missing it. Jesus is saying that he's going to, he's talking about his death and his ascension and, and what's going to happen in his life. And they're just missing it. They're like, oh, is he going to go to a different country and teach another group of people? Like, what's he talking about that we can't go with him? And they're just, they're missing it. And I'm rushing, I'm, I'm moving through the scriptures so we can get to the point here. Because there's a point we're making here. So focus, stay with me. Verse 37. And the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood, and again, we see he cried. He cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spake of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Many of the people, therefore, when they heard this saying, said, Of a truth, this is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Shall Christ come out of Galilee? Had not the scripture said that Christ cometh out of the seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was the division among the people because of him. And some of them would have taken him, but no man laid hands on him. So again, we see the people here constantly confused, constantly going back and forth. Earlier in the passage, we said that some of them said, well, aren't we not supposed to know where the Messiah comes from? Isn't that what we were taught as kids, that no one's going to know where he's from? We know where this guy's from. Well, later on, we see again this last day of the feast. Jesus says, come unto me. And he's begging them, like, come on, I have the answers. I'm the answer. And they're like, is he, maybe he is the Messiah. Well, he can't be the Messiah because the Messiah is supposed to come out of Bethlehem. And he's from Galilee. But we know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. We know that Jesus did uh, fulfill the prophecy of coming out of Egypt when the census was. Jesus fulfilled every single prophecy. These people were just missing it. 
And they, it says there was division among people because of them. They were just divided. They were starting to argue. Verse 45. Then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said unto them, Why have you not brought him? So these officers came back without Jesus. They were sent out to take Jesus, to arrest him and bring him back. Well, they came back without him. And the, the Pharisees say, why don't, why don't, Where is he? Why don't you have him? Verse 46. The officers answered, Never spake, never man spake like this man. Like, we've never heard anything like this. Verse 47. Then answered them the Pharisees, are ye also deceived? Have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed on him? But this people who knoweth not the law are cursed. They're like, these people don't even know what they're talking about. They're like, we don't believe him. The Pharisees were saying, we don't, listen, we don't believe him, so you shouldn't believe him because we're the smartest ones here. See, anybody else that believes him, they're just, they don't even know. They're cursed anyway. They don't know the law. They don't, they don't know the Bible. They don't know the scriptures. In Nicodemus, verse 50, we saw him in John chapter 3. Remember he came to Jesus in John chapter 3 in the night? And said, how can I be born again? And, and he's talking to Jesus, and, and you must be from God. He didn't say you are God. He said, you must be from God like a prophet. And Jesus said, you must be born again. That's where we find that wonderful scripture, John 3, 16, as he's talking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, God was working in his heart. Nicodemus was believing. Nicodemus had some faith in him. In verse 50, Nicodemus says to his, uh, the other Sanhedrin court here, these Pharisees, and says to them, uh, it says, he that came to Jesus by night, being one of them, Nicodemus says, doth our law judge any man before it hear him and know what he doeth? They're pretty much like, he's like, can we really put this guy on trial when he hasn't really done anything yet? And what do they say? Verse 52. They answered and said unto him, art thou also of Galilee? Now, we wouldn't understand this, but that's a huge insult back then. People, that was like a, a, a term of the highest reproach. Like, them saying that to Nicodemus, who wasn't from Galilee, was an insult. Like, are you, are you from that part of town too? Are you a Galilean as well, Nicodemus? Come on, man. They're, like, they're, making, they're, they're mocking him, really. And then they said, search and look, for out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. Like, no one's ever going to come out of Galilee doing anything. There's no prophet coming out of Galilee. In verse 53, every man went to his own house. It's the end of the chapter. We're going to see in the next chapter, starting next week, Lord willing, uh, the Lord begin to do some, <laughs> continue to do some amazing things. But that's the end of chapter 7. They want Jesus. They want to arrest him. The officers couldn't do it. They said, man, no one's like this guy. And then, and then the, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, begin to argue amongst themselves. Nicodemus kind of steps in to defend Jesus. Says, man, we can't put this guy on trial. He didn't do anything. And they're making fun of him. And they said they all went to their own house. They all kind of split up, argued, and left. They all went home. Now, we see several things in this passage that we read this morning. And I, I went through that quickly so I could get to the point. We're, we're going to be done quickly this morning. I want to just give you something to take with you. Chapter 7 has been, has been a long chapter we've been going through. A lot, of, a lot of dialogue of Christ. A lot of theology. A lot of repetition because he was trying to make a point to these people that they obviously kept missing it. But we see several things in this passage. We see the burden of the Savior. You can see it in the words that the Lord chose to use in the Gospel of John, that John, this author, wrote. We see that Jesus, on two different occasions, was in there teaching and cried out. He was burdened. He wanted them to, 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 to have answers. He wanted them to have peace. He didn't want them relying on, uh, uh, on religious uh, uh, you know, acts and things like that to, to keep them going. No, he, he wanted them to rely on him. He wanted them to trust him and believe on him. We see the burden of the Savior. So many times in the scriptures, what does it say? Jesus looked out and saw the multitude and had compassion on them because they were a sheep having no shepherd. Jesus had compassion on these people. There was a burden in him. 
We see the burden of the Savior. We see the confusion of the people several times in this passage. He just didn't get it. He's telling them, like, listen, I'm from God. I'm sent from him. I'm the one. And they're like, huh? We saw the same thing in the end of chapter 6 when he's telling them, he's like, I'm the Messiah. I'm the Christ. I'm from God. And they're like, what school did you go to? And they're like just totally missing it. We see the confusion of the people. We see them divided, don't we? Some think he's the Christ. Some think he's just a prophet. Some think he's a deceiver. And there's division. We see the confusion of the people. And we see also the judgment of the religious crowd. These Pharisees, these overly uh, hypocritical religious folks, these Jewish people that thought they were amazing, they dressed the best, and they walked around looking down their noses at everybody else, thinking that they were holy, thinking that they were the closest to God. And Jesus says about them, their lips may speak of me, but their heart is far from me. We see the judgment of the religious crowd here at the end, trying to arrest him and put him on trial for really doing nothing but help, breaking laws that they made up, that weren't even biblical laws, that weren't even Old Testament laws, laws that they had made up. We see those things in this passage. And for our lives today, you have to remember, church, that this same burden that Jesus had for these people at this Feast of Tabernacles, trying to call him and say, hey, come unto me. If you're thirsty, I can help you. He has that same burden for you and for in your life. He doesn't want you to go through life thirsty. Listen, he, he, he goes on, well, we're going to see it in the Gospels, but he continues to do miracles, and then they arrest him, and then he, he's beaten, and he's whipped, and he's mocked, and he's put on trial, and, and they, they, they set a murderer free just to kill him on the cross, and he dies, and he bleeds, and he's nailed to a cross, and he's put in a borrowed tomb, all for you. Because of love for you. He loved the world. He, that is, God gave his only begotten son to die for you and me. There's a burden. That's what the cross is for. The cross, yes, hallelujah, secures our eternity. That resurrection secures our eternity. If we have faith in him and believe the gospel and trust Christ, our eternity is secure in heaven. But beyond that, he died, yes, to save us from hell. But he died to save us from ourselves from our own pride, from our sin, from the power of sin in our lives. That's what the cross is for, to give you a better life. Not an easy life. Not a life that, that fits your mold and fits your vision and fits your desires. No, but a life that fits his desires for you and his desires for you are the best desires. That's what he did because he loves you. The same burden he has for these people he has for you and he has for me. But just like those people... We're confused here at this Feast of Tabernacles and didn't get it. And didn't really understand what he was saying and kind of went right over their heads. Listen, there's so much confusion in our lives today, isn't there? And in the world today. People think church is just a place to, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten phone calls or Facebook messages on our Facebook page of people saying like, you, you're just trying to take everybody's money. I'm like, not really. <laughs> that would be nice though, wouldn't it? <laughs> no. Church has such a bad rap, doesn't it? And people think that churches are just out there to, to pick people's pockets and make money and, and deceive. And, and unfortunately, the church has not been perfect over the years, has it? There's a lot of sin that has happened in infiltrated churches all across the country and world. But there's so much confusion in the world. And I'll tell you, there's so much confusion in believers today. Oftentimes, we misunderstand grace. We forget what the gospel really is all about. 
Our church services suddenly become these, these times where it's just kind of us four no more. And, and so many times, I've, and I have been like that in ministry in my life. I've been confused. I've forgotten the power of honesty and transparency. I have forgotten the importance of community, of believers, of uh, confess your faults one to another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And I forget these things and I walk through life and I walk through the Christian life thinking I got it all together, thinking I got uh, all the pieces of the puzzle in the right places and I'm happy and I'm fine and God must be so happy with me when in reality, man, I'm living in my own pride and selfishness and, 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 and self-righteousness and it's all just a delusion. My, my Christian life and how good I think I got it and how good I think I'm doing is just a delusion. It ain't real. There's confusion, just like these people, they missed it. And some of us are missing it today. And, and often, going right along with it, we said that the, the judgment of the Pharisees, the religious crowd, that goes on too. That happens as well. The church can be, instead of the church being uh, open arms and loving people and welcoming people in and, and, and loving them with the love of Christ, we, we push people away. They're not like us. They're not doing what we think they should be doing, so good riddance. God help us not to be that way. What is one of our, our, our core values? A welcoming spirit, the heart of Jesus shown. This passage that we went through today, it shows the heart of Jesus. It shows the heart of Jesus. It, it, he, he says there in the passage, he says, come unto me. He says, come unto me. He, he, he wants the thirst of your life to be quenched. And, and, and don't look at me like you don't have some thirst in your life. Don't look at me like you don't have some issues in your life. Don't look at me like you had everything together because I know that you don't because I don't either. We're weak people, aren't we? We lack faith. We lack fortitude. We depend upon our own strength and abilities and talents and personalities to get us through life. And I promise we will always come up short. But Jesus says, come unto me. With tears flowing down his beautiful face, he says, come unto me. I got you. I'll take care of you. I'll help you. I'm the answer. I can satisfy you. He knows exactly what you need in your life. And he is what you need. You don't have to walk through this life thirsty. You don't have to walk through this life alone. You don't have to walk through this life scared or fearful of the future. You don't have to walk through this life with no purpose or controlled by anxiety. You don't have to walk through this life empty anymore. The Savior is crying out to you. Saying, receive me. Accept me. Trust me. Follow me. You are loved, church. Do you realize that? This morning, you are loved by Almighty God who cares for you, who sees what you've gone through, who has a purpose for every problem, has a purpose for every trial in your life. And we curl up, and we put our head between our knees, and we just try to hide out till it's all over. When he is standing above, reaching out to you, reaching out to you, he says, come unto me. Man, I'll quench your thirst. I'll, I'll pull you out. I'll walk with you. Hey, I'll carry you. That's the Savior that we have. Why would we want to live stressed out lives 
Why would we want to live lives? You know how annoying it is to be thirsty? I'm thirsty right now from yelling like a maniac. You know how frustrating to be thirsty and your throat hurts and it's dry and you can't talk well and you're like, I got to get someone to drink right now. I don't know, I have to. And we walk in our lives spiritually, emotionally, thirsty, trying to fill it and quench it with everything, with relationships, with money, with jobs, with everything happening just the way we want it to in our lives. I don't know if, if you're like that. I'm like that. I'm, I'm that kind of guy that's like, that I want everything to happen in my timeline, how I think it should happen, you know, when I think it should happen, with who I think it should happen with, and all these different things. And when it doesn't happen that way, you know what I do? I often kind of lose control. Get all flustered and crazy. Like, this isn't happening how it's supposed to happen when God knows. I don't want to live like that. I don't want to live that way. I want to rest in Him. He's crying out to you, saying, Receive me. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. No one's looking around. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe that's you this morning that says, You know what? I'm the one. That's, that's missing out. I'm the one that's... Church, I know. I'm the one that's walking alone. I'm the one that's depending upon my own strength. I'm trying to figure it all out. I'm trying to, get it, I'm trying to keep it all together. I'm trying to keep everything all together. And you know what? I'm failing, and I know I'm failing, and it ticks me off. Can I, can I tell you? Can I help you with something this morning? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to give you some great advice. Stop. Stop trying to figure it all out. You're going to drive yourself even crazier. Rest in the King. You are a child of the King. You understand that? Rest in that truth. Thank you again for listening to the Coastline Baptist Church Podcast. We hope the message was an encouragement to your heart. Please connect with us through our website, coastlinecc.org, or on Facebook or Instagram. Send us a message, send us an email, and we'd love to connect with you. We'd also love if you could visit us for a Sunday morning service. You can find our address on our website, and our services start at 10 a.m. Our mission at Coastline is simply this, to know Jesus deeply and to show Jesus daily. I hope that we've helped you do that in your life today. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.